Welcome to the TF Blockchain Podcast, where we interview blockchain, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency innovators actively building, growing, and investing in this emerging technology. I'm your host and founder of TF Blockchain, Jonathan G. Blanco. TF Blockchain hosts quarterly conferences and monthly events live recorded for this podcast. Our current chapters are located in Seattle, Portland, Vancouver, San Francisco, Austin, San Antonio, and Dallas. To get involved with TF Blockchain, participate in future TF conferences, attend a chapter in your area, or to start a new chapter, please visit tfblock.io. Hey, I want to share a special promo with you from our friends over at CoinMine so you can get your very own CoinMine 1 and mine cryptocurrency from your house in the simplest way possible. I have one, I love it, and I want to make sure you can get one too. So visit coinmine.com slash tfblock and use discount code tfblock to get $50 off. This podcast is presented by TF Labs, a blockchain product and startup studio. TF Labs collaborates with companies from growth stage to enterprise in order to establish their blockchain product strategy. As a startup studio, TF Labs builds and validates internal products to one day be spun out as companies. To partner or get involved with TF Labs, please visit us at tflabs.io. Welcome everybody, this is Jonathan G. Blanco with the TF Podcast. I am here with a special guest, Matthew Graham. We're going to be talking about blockchain, COVID-19, China, uh, Seattle, lots of really fun things. Uh, I had a chance to just interact with Matthew over Twitter, uh, following each other. And I was like, I need to get this person on the podcast and we need to talk about what's going on in the world today. Um, and just there's so many correlations and relations to things that are happening uh, both in China and U.S. that uh, I think now is the perfect time. So uh, with that, Matthew, thanks for coming on and I'd love if you introduce yourself to everybody. Hi there. It's great to be on the pod today. And so I'm here in China tonight. I'm actually at a dinner with customers. I just uh, jumped outside and uh, to, to, to do the pod with you. Well, and it's, you it's great to be here. No, of course, it's my pleasure because uh, in addition, obviously, to the crypto volatility, the financial market meltdown, I think it's fair to say, there are actually even more serious topics. So, uh, you know, this is something that uh, I have seen and felt very viscerally over the course of the last six to eight weeks, I guess, uh, living here in China. And this is a super important topic uh, to, to be able to discuss things, uh, not just crypto and financial markets, but also things like the COVID-19, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. And, and so yeah. you live in China, but are you from the US, is that correct? Sure, yeah, I'm from Ridgefield, Connecticut, although I spent uh, most of my 20s in New York. Got it, got it. And so, sure. I so I've been based in China for about uh, seven years now, and uh, and uh, for for most of that time, uh, as CEO of Sino Global Capital, which is uh, our investment advisory service, and in addition to that, for uh, about three years now, we've been focused mostly and now entirely on blockchain. So the concept was always that we would very naturally 
and organically develop specific sector competencies over time in terms of representing international technology companies uh, in China, which is our central global capital mission. And so, uh, but once we, uh, once we had our first couple blockchain related clients, uh, uh, we, we had been following the space for so long. And once we did that, uh, not just personally, but also professionally, like, uh, like many of you, we fell in love with, with the technology and with the ecosystem. And so we are, we are all in on, uh, on blockchain for, for about three years now. So That's we have excellent. our uh, advisory business, and then additionally, uh, we have our liquid value blockchain brand, which does two things. Number one, we have uh, an asset management service, which uh, you, could, you could term a crypto hedge fund. And then number two, uh, we make VC-style investments under that brand as well, including our latest news which is that we are super excited to uh to have ftx as one of our portfolio companies uh one of the most professional teams we've ever encountered not just in crypto but anywhere and we think extremely highly of, of the team both in terms of their oh did i lose you I, I I think my hello am I back? You're back. You're back. Now dropped. You lost you for a second. You're talking about the team. So, how great yeah, they are. I mean, unfortunately. So before Zoom, uh, you did not need a VPN. But my understanding is you do need a VPN these days for Zoom. Uh, unfortunately, so that does occasionally lead to issues with uh, with dropped with <laughs> dropped it. signals, right? Because it's you know, candidly, uh, uh, you know, there's a healthy percentage of the population here in China that uses VPNs, including uh, almost all of uh, the international talent that lives in China. But uh, it's this unusual situation where it's, it's like an ongoing cat and mouse game or, or uh, the, the VPN providers increase their bar and then the government increases their ability to uh to shut them down and things like that so there it's one of the the many aspects of uh life in china that can be a little bit surreal <laughs> uh, i never thought i would become kind of like a self-taught expert in virtual private network technologies but <laughs> apparently that's that's part of the lifestyle <laughs> yeah totally um so yeah, yeah. Can you dig in a little bit deeper? So on your advisory services and, and you know, from the, the venture investing, are you working with companies um, in China uh, globally? How does that work? Sure. So the typical situation is where we would represent uh, international technology companies in China. Um, and, and that's, that, that's, by far and away, most of, well, on the project side, by far and away, most are international companies. And then on money 
on the on the money side, we we uh, all of our investor friends and our LPs and such are all or, or, or almost all, I guess I should say, are Asian. So it typically is uh, Greater China investment in international. The reason that that's the model is probably for many reasons. Certainly, one is that um, I'm super comfortable evaluating uh, international projects um, kind of holistically uh, and then aspect by aspect uh, using our team's talent and, and the many expert resources that we can draw upon. Uh, but it becomes uh, much more, you know, ultimately that's, that's, that's my responsibility and it becomes much more difficult for me to evaluate the sometimes opaque nature of, of Chinese companies. Very interesting, very interesting. So um, how did you how did you get into the space overall? Like, and uh, sorry, you know, blockchain over, but more, 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 I'm wondering, how did you get into just investing and, you know, what took you over to China originally? Sure thing. So, uh, so my previous experience was, uh, was working on Wall Street at a tech focused hedge fund. Uh, and, and really though, I wanted to, um, I, I think that the things that attracted me to China are the things that attract me also to the crypto, right? So I, I, I like the action. I want to be at the center of change. I want to be where people are doing the most innovative things the fastest. So if uh, I had been a little older, you know, uh, if I had been, been 25 years older, I probably would have gone to Tokyo in 82. If I had been a generation older, I probably would have gone to Silicon Valley in 97. I wanted to be at the center of change. And so that uh, manifests itself manifests itself in a couple different ways. One is that I, I work here in China, which is the most explosive, amazing nexus of energy you could, a person could possibly imagine. And then number two, uh, the industry is crypto because... Uh, as as we know, crypto is there's nothing like crypto, right? It's it's amazing, yeah. it's crazy, it's amazing, it's the future, it's all of these things all at once. So it's it's really the same uh, types of uh, uh, it, re it really comes from the same place. My my uh, desire to be here in China and my desire to be focused on crypto. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, let's let's get right into that then with the crypto. Sure. Uh, Yesterday was a wild day. Um, it sure was. Yeah, Bitcoin went down. What was it? Fifty percent, um, about. Mm. And uh, mm. it looks like it's it's covering right around like five thousand now. Last I saw. Mm. Um, you know, we, we've been ta been talking about for so long how Bitcoin is uh, uncorrelated. Uh, it seems to be a little correlated right now. That doesn't mean that it's won't, won't be uncorrelated. What are your kind of thoughts on? overall um, with how the market has responded, um, you know, and just sentiment overall at this time. Sure, so uh, I, I think probably you do have to differentiate between uh, Western thinking on this topic and Asian thinking, but- Oh, uh, that's a good point. Um, obviously uh, there is a uh, we're, we are seeing what seems to be a flight to quality. We are seeing what seems to be uh, enormous apprehension throughout 
basically every corner of the financial system, right? And, and so really this is a, an extremely unusual time and there's a lot going on. Um, in, in terms of crypto, um, by anecdotal observation, I, I feel like this time around the Western hands are more, more nervous than the Chinese hands. Um, but I, I think there are certainly a lot of people that are uh, looking to have a wait and see attitude as to what happens in the short and medium term. And then on the other hand, there are a lot of people who are trying to make a lot of money very quickly off of the volatility. There's, there's just really so much going on. Um, and, and then people are, are also using this as a, as a way to, to benchmark the different players in the ecosystem. For example, uh, at dinner just now, and our, our Chinese investor friends, they were comparing the ability of different exchanges to weather uh, the, the volatility and the high trading volume in the past couple of days. And there was one exchange where people were saying, wait a minute, why can't I trade futures right now? It looks like, looks like the order book is a complete blank. And then we were talking about uh, how FTX has held up quite well. And, and there's a, it's an evaluation period. So there are so many different aspects that people are evaluating the situation from. And, and certainly there's, there's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it was an interesting day yesterday. I think, um, you know, it's funny because you have the people that are, um, you know, kind of like the seagulls and that they just repeat mm. what other people say. Mm -hmm. And then, well, you know, <laughs> yeah. Solison was, um, you know, some more like the tech or heavy financial individuals and their take on it. It's like, hey, look, mm. this is more about the long term anyway. Um, mm. um, you know, I, I do always smile when people are like, buy now, you know, people were saying buy now all the way down to four and still buy hmm. now, and which is fine. Yeah, I, I think it, it can always go up or down more than you think, right? Right, right. Uh, And that's especially where we have an asset that we still quite, ha we still have not quite figured out how to map out what the intrinsic value is or, or how you would even make such a, a calculation, right? So it, it's... Um, it's a, a, obviously an extraordinarily unique asset, and, and that, that that leads to some some unique characteristics in, in volatility and in terms of uh, correlation to other assets in terms of A to Z, really. But but also I think it, it's uh, what we see is that there are these uh, cascades, there are these liquidation cascades, um, and. Uh, I, I really like to study the history of finance, and it, it reminds me a little bit of. Uh, and actually, I had a, a well. It, it reminds me a little bit of, of uh, in in eighty seven when they had this concept of portfolio insurance, and it was um, uh, uh, where where companies the more the market would crash, the more they would they would sell based on this this uh, th this algorithm, uh, machine algorithm of, of portfolio insurance. And it really, the problem is that if, if, if too many people are subscribing to that kind of service, then it, it can set off a cascade. And I think uh, we're seeing a similar result for, for slightly different reasons, but, but there, you know, it's very clear that we're seeing these, these uh, liquidation cascades in crypto 
which are very much exacerbating the uh, the volatility. It'd be yeah. kind of interesting if there was. Uh, uh, this is just something that I'm thinking here on the fly as we talk, but it'd be kind of interesting if we started to see um, uh, different types of products that that potentially could mitigate that uh, in a way that's profitable for for people. But but for sure the the, the continued development of futures products and and of le uh, products that have a, a, a lot of opportunity to give people leveraged exposure, it's really exacerbating the volatility. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's not just a crypto thing yesterday or this week, right? Yeah, uh, sure, the, sure, sure. The, yeah. the global markets overall, obviously, as you're aware exactly. of. Um, you know, it's what we've lost about $8,000 or 9,000, or sorry, 9,000 uh, points yeah. on the Dow. I think. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of kind of nuts, really. I mean, this is, we're, we're very much in historic territory. There will be uh, many books, uh, many movies uh, about the financial markets and, and what's going on in the world at this time. It's, it's a, a, a very historic time. Yeah. There's that Lenin quote, and I'm not going to be able to quote it word for word, but, but there's that Lenin quote about, uh, about, you know, you can have long periods of time where not much happens. And then, and then you can have a uh, hundred years of history in, in a week. Uh, I, I don't remember the exact wording, but we're, we're really seeing a hundred, <laughs> at least a, a decade or two uh, in, in at least a couple of weeks or a month. Yeah, no, totally. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. and It's pretty crazy. And, mm. you know, I was in the mortgage industry in 2008 and I remember, mm. uh, you know, everything leading up to that and just, you know, yeah. slow, slowly seeing things and the months before Lehman, you know, people were saying like, Oh, Hey, nothing to see here. Things are going to shape up. Yep. I mean, I remember when, you know, Jim Cramer basically said that people should buy <laughs> Bear Stearns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and then you know after i remember that, that too so um you know if you I was in here... school then and i remember and and i have to admit the professors weren't happy they were you know they talk about efficient markets and i was in school during that period of time and i was like you know we're having a meltdown here we got this enormous bubble exploding and and here we are in a classroom talking about strong form efficient markets i pushed back on some of those uh, concepts pretty hard at the time. I, I don't think it was appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it was funny because there's been people yeah. saying like, "Hey, we're we're in 2008." You know, they're saying this a few weeks ago, and I was like, oh, "I don't know that we're in 2008 Lehman yet." Um, but yesterday or this week felt like 2008. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you. Yeah, and it's it's weird too because the level of seriousness for financial markets is similar. But the reasons are totally different. Do you, do you read Matt Levine by any chance? I don't. Uh, I'm kind of obsessed with with the the, the, the Bloomberg columnist uh, Matt Levine, and he was talking about this this week, where um, in many financial crises, many financial crises, certainly including 2008, when you look under the hood and you, you look at the pieces and how they fit together. Uh, if, if you're doing a post-mortem and it gets pretty esoteric pretty quickly. You have these different corners of the financial system that weren't communicating properly right. or you have externalities or you have this, that, or the other asymmetric risk, X, Y, Z, right? And, and it gets 
you can have like two or three simple explanations as headlines, but then it gets really specific really quickly. And that's fundamentally why people, the vast majority of people, uh, the ones that were not in a Michael Lewis book, that's why they, <laughs> I mean, that's why it happened, right? Yeah. And so that's a typical financial crisis, including 2008, 1987, right? That's normal for financial crisis. Right. And then we have 2020, and it's really simple. Economies are shutting down because there's something killing people, and yeah. it's really contagious. But, so uh, but the level of severity um, can can be compared, but but, but it's very different that, in many ways too, right? Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Um, so it feels like we were on that path anyway, right? You know, COVID-19 sort of feels like the, the euthanasia to a market that was, you know, com coming close to having some sort of repercussion. Would, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think you can, you can make that argument. I mean, we've had a lot. I, I think that's a strong argument. I do. There are a lot of tectonic plates that are moving around, and you have... Uh, uh, Certainly, because I'm based in China, so words like decoupling with the U.S.-China relationship, these are, you know, really important topics, uh, not just in 2020, but for, for some time now, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, you see maybe the smartest investor in the world, Warren Buffett, who's been hoarding cash. Um, I, I think in terms of the... Um, magnitude of impact these things can come into play, no question. Yeah, yeah. But at, at the same time, it, it's fundamentally about the fact that uh, there's a bug and people are unsafe sure, sure. and they can't go to work and markets right. abhor risk and we, we have a really unique kind of poor of, of risk and, and also uncertainty you know, when we have an extraordinarily unique type of uncertainty. Uh, so understood that there are other elements that can uh, combine and make something a perfect storm. But I mean, we had here in China, and it, it's difficult to even explain that the whole damn country shut down for six weeks. Yeah. Oh, probably really? which means manufacturing and all that yeah. stuff goes down totally. So you, you start to have these knock-on effects really, really quickly, right? I mean, like three days is one thing, but when you start to get, you know, into three, four, five, six weeks, now you're starting to, you know, well, what just really could be anything. What, what right. happens to not just like supply chains for an iPhone, but what happens to like, you know, uh, China is the, the, the powerhouse of the world for generic drug manufacturing, for example. Yeah, you know, all, all these things get really, really serious, really, really quickly in many, many ways when you start talking about three, four, five, six weeks instead of three, four, five, six days. Um, and I'm not yeah, trying to and, minimize the the yeah. you know the COVID impact on the economy. No, understood. I, I understand I, your point about how yeah. the way things interact in a systemic fashion, it, and it's kind of like a multiplier, right? We have that's a exactly it. That's exactly it. You multiply that, that times the you know the the, the the ways that uh, the, the things that could be triggered 
uh, by that kind of shock to the financial system. I, I, I fully, I, I think it's a strong point. Right. And, and, you know, for all the reasons that you, you highlighted yeah. is like all the more reason why this, this downturn will more, mm. more likely than not be worse than, you know, what we saw in 2008. I mean, it likely already is. Than yeah, it could be. And, and I mean, you could argue it already is in, right. in some ways and, and, then, and also just qualitatively different. Exactly. Quantitatively exactly. maybe similar, but qualitatively different because this is a public health issue. Exactly. Like so yeah. it's really, you know No, a thousand percent because yeah, it's not just, about a black swan. It's it's yeah. You know, that's exactly it. Not only are you know, in a normal financial downturn, yeah. people, you know, tighten up their wallets, but when you also um, are fearful of getting sick like that that's something that exactly right so you can flood the zone with liquidity all you want right you can do quantitative easing till you know the the, the cows come home i almost said the end of the world but let's not do that right now so the cows come home but uh you know if people are afraid to go outside and if if uh supply chains are disrupted et cetera, et cetera. I'm not sure your loose money is really going to solve the issue. This is, this is about public health. Yeah, that's exactly it. I, and it's interesting how this whole situation has yeah. become, you know, you've noticed, you know, I've seen you talking about this for, for months, obviously. And, and you, you notice that people have been, I felt like I had to, Oh no, I, same, the thing same that one, one thing that I, I said on another pod, which I'd like to repeat. Yeah because I think it, it crystallizes uh, for, for, for many people. I work in China in crypto, right? So that's like the two, <laughs> from a Westerner's perspective, that's the two craziest things, right? Yeah. And that's crazy to the power of crazy. So the things that I, I see very often are highly unusual. Keeping that backdrop in mind, this is just the, this is nuts. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. So, you know, by far. This is my second day outside in six weeks. <laughs> yeah. So, like, and, that, and that's not, I am not like a prepper type at all. Yeah. So it's not just me that did that. It's literally hundreds of millions of people who have been uh, mostly or in many cases entirely inside for like a month and a half right right I like mean, the whole you know half the country did that i'm 1500 kilometers i've, I've been uh in our in our country place here and and so uh we're based in beijing but i'm 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 in the south so i'm 1500 kilometers from wuhan and where i'm at that was even though we're so far away from the nexus of it all here in, in China. That's what most people did. Yeah, it's a second tier city uh, here, and just the streets were empty, like in a movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, for, and for a month and a half. <laughs> it's like <laughs> right. Yeah. It, 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 you know, month and, really a month and a half. For the Western world, it's like, hey, that's an example of when communism works, right? <laughs> Squashing a Yeah, I mean, that becomes a, a, a complicated conversation very quickly. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, in, in many ways, China is more capital, in 
China is is really a land of contradictions. Yeah. The fundamental nature of China is contradiction in all, in in almost all facets. One is that it's in many ways uh, one of the most capitalist countries anywhere in the world. If there's any kind of market inefficiency that can be exploited, no matter how small, any kind of uh, real world arbitrage that could take place, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be exploited in about two seconds here in China. Yeah. I, I use the Fair. word exploited in, the, in a neutral way, just in terms of seeing a market uh, opportunity. So, uh, but, but of course, uh, you know, additionally, it's an authoritarian government and it's a, in, in, in many ways, in, not all for sure, keep those contradictions in mind, yeah. but it's, it's a, you know, a top-down society in many ways, obviously certainly the political. So uh, things, uh, society can be mobilized in a way that is not possible in, certainly in the United States. Um, right. So there are, there are so many unique characteristics, but I, I do think it's uh, a true statement that a feature of authoritarian governments are that they can uh, implement draconian uh, measures to combat certain types of situations. And I do think this was an example of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because here in the U.S., um, you find that, and I've seen it on Twitter multiple times, yeah. people say, well, you know, China has it under control, so we should be fine. And it's like, right, so, I'm yeah, but the thing is that, that again, <laughs> yeah, that I, I got to, you know, you can I jump in here immediately, right? Because, yeah, yeah I do think it, they, they have it mostly under control right now. It's been... It was a very, very shaky start, and I, I think that uh, that can't be lost sight of. Uh, but after an extremely questionable first response, the uh, the the way of dealing with this crisis has um, been very effective here in China. Oh, um, 100%, yeah. Exactly, after that initial phase. But, uh, you know, you can't just say, oh, look, it, it hit a plateau over there and they kind of figured it out so we'll be fine yeah. well i mean they, they had basically draconian is the word right right like the whole damn country was inside for six weeks you know that, honestly that and, and military yeah. marches basically with those fog machines that are like blowing you know whatever right. the, those chemicals are to clean whatever that stuff. even is right i don't i don't i mean that's not my i've seen all the videos obviously exactly. i have not seen it in person but i've seen all because i'm far from the epicenter but i obviously i you know i'm very in in touch with uh the the, the measures that were taken so but I don't even know what that was exactly, right? Right. But yeah, but yeah so that's that, one right. example. And then you've got drones with thermal detectors and, and cops with thermal detectors. You've got uh, big data using your phone to identify, to do contact tracing, even if, uh, you know, for everyone, not for effectively everyone, not just for people who are like, hey, I got a cough, right? It's right. just everyone. Whenever you go, this is these massive databases that are tracking who's been in contact with who, right? You got to get out of my compound uh, be, because I, I did pick up the food delivery every day. That's the only time I went outside for like six weeks. But, but then when I get the food delivery, 
uh, I got to quick go outside the gate of my compound. And when I come back in, they have the, the, the temperature gun, right? Yeah. And um, so draconian is, is, is the, the word to, to use. Um, and again, I, I don't even mean that in a loaded term, uh, in a loaded way, I just mean extreme measures were taken. And I, I don't even know that those are anywhere realistic for uh, the United States um, because it, it's just, we're just not, it's not in our DNA, right? Right. Um, right. We're, we're not, and, and that's great in many, many ways, but it's, it's not necessarily great for dealing with a, uh, a public health situation that's quite like this, right? And, and then I, I, one thing I, I want to mention too is, um, there are a lot of things that are really being, being handled quite differently. And, you know, I am not a doctor, obviously. I'm definitely not an epidemiologist either. So I, I don't, I, I can only observe some of these things. But uh, having been out and about the last couple of days, finally, and having much of China starting to awaken in this way, and the streets are, are starting to have, people in them again, I have probably run across, you know, thousands of people in two days, you know, a couple thousand people in two days where I can visually see them on the street, right? Mm -hmm. I have not seen a single person out of those, call it, call it a couple, I mean, I'm in the city, right? So call it a couple thousand people that I've, I've had a visual on being outside in, in 48 hours. And, and I have not seen a single person without a face mask during that time yeah. so I, I think and I, I fully understand that there 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 seems to be uh, an, an alternative viewpoint that possibly masks are not effective and there, there seem to be potential supply shortages and, and things like that but I, I think it, you got to understand that things are, are really being handled in in very different ways um, and in fact, yesterday, even I took off my mask for like two seconds in the cab and the, the taxi driver lost his damn mind. He was like shaking. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm not qualified to, to judge efficacy and things like that. I, I kind of suspect, I, I don't usually like to split the middle, but I kind of suspect this is one situation where the truth may be in the middle. Maybe the masks are moderately effective. Uh, 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 but I, I, I think, you know, you got it. This is like night and day uh, difference in, in how this is being handled. And uh, I, I, I think that, um, I mean, this is viral, right? That, that's why Silicon Valley in many ways, I do have to give some of these VCs credit that they understood uh, first not first, but, but, you know, very early, how serious this was, yeah. uh, because they understand things going viral very well. Uh, you know, if, if it's, uh, most people thinking it's no big deal one day and then shortly after they're canceling the NBA and, uh, you know, we got public figures that potentially have been exposed. This is something that, that is growing, you know, it's, we're talking about exponential growth here. We're talking about things, in this case, literally going viral. Uh, totally. And I, you know, the, the human, <clears throat> excuse me, the human mind is not quite wired to understand viral, right? It's like they, it's kind of similar to how they always talk about uh, uh, 
understanding the compounding effect of, of money is one of the you know most important and least understood base uh, concepts that, that you, you think kind of would be basic, but it's, it's hard for people to appreciate it. And I think this is, this is kind of similar where you, you can't quite wrap your mind around one person and then 10 and then 100 and then 1,000 and then, you know, much of society unless you flatten that curve, unless you take very drastic measures, things like that. So I, I think, you know, really, uh, 99% of people are underestimating uh, how serious this could be still I, in the United States. Oh, still. totally agree. It's, we have taken less measures than yeah. you know, other countries um, up until recently, of course, up until today, yeah. yesterday or, today, or the day yeah. before. And even still, you know, so I was quite frustrated in, in being in Seattle. Yeah. Our public officials here were basically saying, you know, in typical uh, Pacific Northwest fashion of not wanting to, you know, bother other yeah. folks. Like, well, you yeah. know, we're, we're evaluating, we're thinking about it. Oh, well, yeah, you can't. This is, honestly, I, I would honestly, in, I, again, I am not, I'm not like a prepper person, right? That's not, yeah. I'm, I'm very conservative, um, not in my politics, but I'm very conservative in, in the words that I use and the way I express things. Uh, I don't like to get, excited uh, but you know I really would encourage everyone to I'm not a public official uh, public health official obviously right but you know work from home shut it down man you got to do it like this is this just it just could not be more serious thousand percent thousand percent I yeah. uh, you know maybe what, four or five weeks ago I started buying a little bit more of everything you know, here yeah. and there. And then I think it was like two or three weeks ago, yeah. I started just buying a lot from, from the yeah. food food and, and standpoint. And, you yeah. know, people are like, well, why are you doing that? This is that you'll still be able to go to the grocery store and all those yeah. sort of things. And I'm like, it's not that I can't go to the grocery store. It's that I yeah. won't want to go to the grocery store. You know, it's, sure. it's that, it's that yeah. you know, there, there was a flood of people going to Costco yesterday and all these yeah. places yesterday. You know, I'm sure it was crazy there. My sisters were telling me uh, on the East Coast that, you know, it's just starting to really, you're starting to see weird hoarding behaviors and empty shelves and yep. things like that. And I think it was, I think it might have, it's about two weeks ago when the first person died in the Seattle yep. area and then a couple more people got it. That's when, mm. when for me, I was like, okay, you know, we're getting close to like where hysteria or, or panic starts to happen. So yeah. <laughs> And, um, and, and, not, and I'm not saying it's not warranted in, 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 and the thing is what I, what I always say with, with folks on this is sure, a normal, healthy individual will go ahead and, and perhaps, you know, uh, make it through coronavirus. Yeah, I, I think that's this. an important, very important point. I, and, and I was never reading, looking at all the data. I, I was never worried for myself. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is, um, but, but one so of the, the vast majority of, of people that are in, in good health and young or, or maybe middle middle aged, this is um, uh, uh, low risk in terms of uh, worst case scenarios. Sure. Um, and I, I don't know the, the proper term necessarily, but there's that uh, there's that uh, uh, um, 
Well, at, at any rate, this is a, a situation where, where you're, you're trying to protect society as a whole because you, uh, you have vulnerable people uh, that, that are at great risk. Totally. And, and what people yeah. aren't realizing is that if you're, if you're a quote-unquote healthy person and you need to yeah. end up taking a hospital bed um, because of, of the coronavirus, um, mm. and, it, and it gets to a, a state where there's not enough hospital beds, Basically, you're then putting the elderly or those who are at risk at more at risk. Yeah, and so that's exactly that's, that's what's probably well. It's exactly what's happening. And I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I can only uh, use common sense and, and my observations from having seen this here in China. But that that certainly makes sense to me. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're look, if you're 24 and in good health and you get sick, probably you need to just. I shouldn't be giving medical advice, but but medical advice, but but certainly, you know, if I got uh, sick, what what I would do, being uh, what I like to think of as a young person, and, and certainly in good health, what I would do is is just self quarantine, mm -hmm. um, you know, probably for many reasons. But uh, I, I guess I probably shouldn't use <laughs> medical advice, but but certainly there is um, uh, a a vast difference in the uh, severity of outcomes for people based on uh, their, their, their health, any, any health conditions, and, and certainly their age as well, right? Um, and my understanding is that, for example, in, in 1918, uh, as I recall, with the so-called Spanish flu that actually originated in Kansas, probably. But uh, uh, so my understanding is that frequently uh, affected the, the, the very young and the very healthy. That, that's not what we're seeing here. The people that uh, are at the highest risk for sure are, are people that are older or have existing health conditions, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, you know, I, I, I haven't verified this yet, but I have read in a couple articles that what's happening. Well, we know that in Italy, for example, like they're running out of hospital beds. Mm. And um, they're they're yeah. prioritizing who they um, do the intubations with because of of that, right? And so, you know, that's really I, I'm I'm sure these are going to be issues, right? Yeah. Just as a matter again of uh, common sense, and and having seen in China that they had to real quick erect some hospitals to deal with this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. dedicated uh hospitals yeah so what do you think i, I do know that that one uh, observed behavior in, in china i do know that if many people if they were not in high risk categories um and they started to get a cough and they didn't know if it was the flu or whatever i do know that a lot of uh people were were just saying well i'll, I'll self-quarantine i'm not necessarily advocating that by the way relaying something that I observed. Um, I'm not sure that was necessarily for good reasons. Certainly you, you could have good reasons such as uh, preserving, not impacting medical capacity, the number of, of beds available, things like that. I, I think in, in this case, uh, anecdotally, when I heard of people doing things like that, I think it was more because they knew that if they went to the hospital and they did test uh, positive, that they would um be forcibly quarantined uh for a period of time that you know could be a couple of weeks things like that yeah yeah 
Well, what are some so again, none of this is medical advice. I'm just no, yeah, no swift. <laughs> we don't give medical or financial yeah. advice here. Yeah, right. Normally, you just have to say, you know, past results may not equal uh, future performance, and this is not financial advice. Do your own research, things like that. Now you got to say, look, we're not, we're not doctors. We're two guys talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Um, well, you know, what, what are some things that you've seen, you, we, we've sort of touched on this a little bit that you've seen over in yeah. China. Um, and you know, how do you think that relates to what's coming over here? Um, you know, overall. Uh, so that's, uh, I, I, I think overall, I, I think I would again, return to the fact that, um, this is something that's exponential. This is something, this is a situation that, in my view, continues to be far more serious than the vast majority of people seem to understand. Uh, this is something that easily, based on everything I've read as a layperson, easily could sweep through uh, a population if not, uh, if, if there, there are no very serious measures that are taken. And, uh, you know, by all accounts, we're talking about something that has a um, 10x mortality rate versus, uh, or, or even more potentially versus, versus the common cold, right? Yeah. So you're so saying- That's where maybe if, <laughs> you could probably see if anyone, totally. even from, going back three, four weeks ago where, where people were saying, ah, man, you know, whatever, isn't this, you know, Corona, it's the same family as the, the flu, you know, how big could this be? And you'd, you'd see me on Twitter being like, hey, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> because that that's not really what we're doing here, honestly. Right. That's yeah. not what this is. Yeah, you mean this is and, and, you know, even saying that, you know, the, the flu, again, I, I'm not, I don't have the professional or academic background for this, but you know, it, the flu uh, initially, and, and there are strains of the flu that have historically been uh, extremely lethal, right? So, uh, you know, we, we need to be fully understood, fully aware of what we're doing with dealing with here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, you, you say flu now and nobody cares. But if you said that in 1918, uh, you know, people were dropping dead in the streets, right? So you, you need to have a, a, an understanding historically, even if you don't have the academic or professional training, as I do not, you can um, have some sense of history and know that, uh, 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 that, that uh, just saying things like, like the flu, as if it's no big deal. Well, it sure used to be a big deal, and and uh, you know we're we're dealing with with something here that uh, may be a part of the same family, but is is extremely serious. Totally, totally. I think the last subject I'd like to discuss real quick yeah. before we finish is you know how do you think politics has played a factor in this? You know, not <laughs> I mean, it. It seems obviously like there's been yeah. Tons Let's of do it. Okay. Here. Yeah. Uh, so U.S. politics. Yeah. Yeah. U.S. China. All of it. Like, how 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 is this? You know, like sure. it's it's definitely it, it seems as though um, 
there's been some uh, high political motives and then also inf mm -hmm. uh, incorrect information on political motives as well, right? With, with how, yeah, how I mean, so in the United States, um, well, let's just do this, I guess, right? Let's talk about it. In the, in the United <laughs> States, uh, you know, I, I think the, the most charitable grade you could uh, give for the way this has been handling would be like a, a D minus. That that would be like viewing every as single aspect in the most positive light. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly in, embarrassed uh, to, to be with customers and discussing with investors, including tonight, uh, where I have investors in the adjoining room 10 feet away from, from me and, and to be talking about these things because um, and I'm honestly embarrassed as, a, as an American because uh, it's been just a, 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 almost an unmitigated disaster in the way that we've been handling things. Um, I, I do, you know, I, I never, I, I've always followed politics very closely, but I never really used to talk about politics. I just have such strong feelings. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really think that um, uh, what we're seeing is an administration that is completely ill-equipped to deal with this kind of crisis. Um, the, the funding has been stripped, but, and I was just gonna say, not only are those pieces not in place because they weren't viewed as critical, having relevant expertise, having preparation in place, should there, there be a problem. Not only are those pieces not in place, but we have uh, an administration that, in my view, has uh, taken a Chernobyl-esque approach to dealing with this, to dealing uh, with the situation. They've tried to make the uh, contents of their deliberations about how to handle this secret. They've tried to talk about this as if it were. I mean, I think Trump at one point said, "Look, you know, what are there? Fifteen people sick or whatever. Soon it'll be zeroed. Uh, don't worry about it and and buy stocks." I mean, it's really uh, farcical, uh, or would be if it weren't uh, such a, a very serious clusterfuck, frankly. Uh, I, I think that uh, it's just been an almost an unmitigated disaster to not do testing, to not take it serious, to not shut things down. I mean, look, if you have a country of 1.4 billion people that's one of the top economies in the world that shut everything down for six weeks. Uh, do, you, do you think maybe you might want to get your shit together because there might be a problem? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, not only did that not happen, not only does it seem like there was basically no serious preparation in a very short window of time, uh, but but really, it it seems like even the the measures being taken now seem woeful, frankly. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I I think really it's just been a, a, a almost a historic disaster. It reminds me of um, the the same and actually no more incompetence than we saw with with Hurricane Katrina only. Uh, now we're dealing with something that is uh, even more serious and nationwide. And um, so, like I said, most charitable, I would say D minus 
but but really, you know, in my personal view, this is uh, just an utter fail. And and I'm uh, honestly, the, the reason I've been so vocal about, I mean, I'm a very opinionated person, obviously, but the reason I've been so vocal on Twitter about this is, um, it is because I'm I'm honestly horrified <laughs> mm-hmm. because it, it it couldn't be more serious and we couldn't be uh, doing a, a worse job of meeting the bar of what needs to be done. Uh, obviously, that's not just at the federal level. I think it's it you know, we we've seen a lot of state and local issues too. And obviously, it's not just about big government, but it, it definitely doesn't help if you have the President of the United States uh, tweeting things uh, like, you know, what is this? 15 people will be zero in a little bit. You know, nobody needs to worry about blah, 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 blah. Uh, Certainly, when you have 40 or 42 percent or whatever the, of the population that believes his, his every word, I, I think these are really serious problems. I agree. I agree. And, and, yeah, and it's been, as, as an American, uh, it's my very great hope that uh, people take this extremely serious and that we can uh, turn this around, um, uh, you know, immediately, uh, you know, because by what I've learned from having seen this develop in China is that this, is, this could not be more serious. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And it's clear that there's definitely been, you know, some level of political uh, motives on there and uh, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, it's motives and then it's also incompetence. incompetence and lack of yeah. I mean, if you if you strip out all the experts and strip out all the funding uh, for, for public health and, and CDC and, you know, pandemic preparation, if you if you gut all that systematically, and then you have an anti-science mindset, and then you are more worried about uh, the stock market and re-election rather than people dropping dead, then I, I think you're gonna have a really serious problem really quickly, and I think that's uh, what we're seeing here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just trying to hide, not, not it's interesting because we- Well, that's why we, I said Chernobyl, all- because it's like, you know, don't test because then we might find out how many people are sick. And, you yeah. Know, it's, it's, honestly, it's just fucking crazy, honestly. Excuse my language. No, I agree. We have we have the lowest numbers uh, because we haven't tested. <laughs> so, yeah, that it's insane. It's insane. But I, I'm mortified and, and, and you know, I, I had a conversation with my mom today about, you know, what if, what if you came to China for a while? You know, because I, I I do actually think at this point she would be safer in China, wow. and and I'm it, it saddens me enormously as an American uh, to be saying things like that. But unfortunately, uh, I'm literally trying to convince my mom to come to China for a little while. I don't even know if that's possible in terms of uh, uh, travel restrictions at this time, but that's literally something I uh, talked with my mom about uh, today and, and checked into, did some initial checking into uh, today. You know, that's, that's where we're at. And it, it's just honestly, uh, it, it, it's, I, I could not be more embarrassed, ashamed, and also uh, worried, frankly. And I, again, you know, it, for people that know me, like I am not, I'm not like a prepper, like at all. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. 
Not and and there's nothing. Hey, and we're not giving prepper advice either, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no financial. <laughs> no yeah, yeah, yeah. No prepper advice. I don't even, you know, know how that stuff works. Honestly, I don't know what they what these people do. They get a bunker or whatever. This is a public health crisis. I don't really know anything about, you know, prepper lifestyle. I know that uh, there's a very serious public health issue. Yeah. 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 Well, um, hey, man, this has been a great conversation. Um, I, I know we're already over time, but I don't know if you want to talk about or any questions that you have um, that, you, that you think would be interesting to talk about. Um, well, but, I guess I would just want to, you know, encourage everyone to, to do uh, what they, they need to do to stay safe in, in a very critical time, you yeah. know, and, and then you know the, the the finance and the crypto stuff is honestly secondary right now uh you know stay safe 100 percent agree yeah you gotta just basically be taking care of yourself your family yep. you know like i yep. have a 94 year old grandmother that uh lives yep. with my mother and you know i've had to stress yep. for them over and over and over and over and over again hey like for the last five weeks like yo you guys gotta you know take off change your clothes when you get to the house and, you know, yeah. make sure that you're not bringing your shoes in the house and, and you know, yeah. people thinking like that. Yeah. Particularly cool. for, particularly for grandma. Honestly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, this woman's made it to 94 years old. There's no way we're going to yeah. let this thing, you know, yeah. and she's in great health too, by the way. I mean, like she's yeah. in great health. She, she scolds me every time she sees me. She's fine. I always joke. Oh yeah. I joke. Grandma if, should do that. I think. <laughs> yeah. I like, if she doesn't scold me, that means there's something yeah. wrong. What's exactly wrong? right. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. anyway, awesome. Well, hey Matthew, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, I really appreciate it. I love to keep these types of conversations going, and 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 maybe we can absolutely, yeah. In a couple of weeks, yep. we'll check in with each other. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks for uh, for taking the time. And I guess I should go back to uh, having a beer with my uh, investor friends here. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Tell them okay. to say hello. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. Thank you for listening to the TF Blockchain Podcast. Please help us continue to spread blockchain, Bitcoin, and crypto awareness by sharing this podcast, attending our events, following us on social, and rating and reviewing this podcast by clicking all the stars on our homepage so we can be more accessible across Apple, Spotify, and all podcast platforms. Thank you for your support. Keep learning, keep growing, and keep building. The views and opinions expressed at TF Blockchain events and podcasts are solely those of the ones presenting and do not necessarily reflect the positions or opinions of TF Blockchain. TF Blockchain is not responsible for the opinions or content of its guests and does not endorse any particular company or currency. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be used to make investment decisions.